Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. Uh, this is going to be a short show, but I've got some clips to play from the Joe Rogan conversation with Dr. Peter McCullough, which is quite recent. It's only a couple of days old. I've picked up a fair amount of traffic from it, so uh, I'm going to add a lot of material by Dr. Peter McCullough to the podcast. Uh, well, this is some a couple of clips only maybe five minutes worth, ten minutes worth, and uh, and then I'll close the, the studio down again. But uh, I think it's useful just to have have some short versions of what was said, and then to investigate the the actual conversation is on Spotify. If you want to go and have a look, it's about two and a half hours long. Uh, this is this is Peter Miller. Early multi-drug therapy is an outpatient. number millions and millions of unnecessary hospitalizations and it seemed to me and i said i've told tucker carlson and many others it seems to me early on there was an, an intentional very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear suffering isolation hospitalization and death and it seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create acceptance for and then promote mass vaccination so you believe this is a premeditated thing that they were doing so they realized that in order to get people enthusiastic about taking this vaccine the best way to do that was to not have a protocol for treatment it's not just my idea now it's completely laid out by the book by dr pam popper the book recently published by peter bragan uh, covid 19 and the global predators we are the prey i wrote one of the uh, introductions dr Le- leafleet and dr vladimir Ranko, Lysenko, wrote the other introductions these books are basically non-fiction they have a thousand citations in the bragan book showing how it was coordinated and plant. Now Bobby Kennedy has his book out, The Real Anthony Fauci. I'm the most uh, mentioned physician in that book. I can tell you that if you want to find the evidence that Moderna was working on the vaccine before the virus ever emanated out of the lab. China said there was some sort of an outbreak on December 31st, but Dr. Barrick signs a uh, government um, deal with Moderna, I want to I want to read it exactly to you. This this deal was uh, made. It's confidential. It's a hundred and I don't know fifty eight pages long. Um, it is. If I skip to page one hundred and four, they are entering a specific private confidential agreement. The NIH appears to be transferring technology to Dr. Barrick, but the, what they're making clear is quote mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. If you wanted to find the the collusions and the operations between the Gates Foundation and Gavi and SEBI and Pfizer and Moderna and the vaccine manufacturers and the Wuhan lab and the National Institutes of Health and Ralph Barrick and University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and how all this was organized. If you want to see the Johns Hopkins planning seminar called the SPARS pandemic in 2017, where they had a symposium, people showed up, they wrote up their symposium findings, they published this. It says it's going to be a coronavirus. It began in healthy looking pigs months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. It's going to be related to MERS and SARS. It's going to come over here to the United States. It's going to shut down cities and frighten people. There's going to be confusion regarding a drug. 
hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And we're going to utilize all that in order to railroad the population into mass vaccination. How many stations does this go It's laid out in the Johns Hopkins SPARS pandemic training seminar. The only thing they got wrong was the year. So you believe this is a premeditated thing that they were doing? It's not just my idea. Now it's completely laid out. Son of a bitch! We struck the mother all right, that was such part of the Joe Rogan conversation. Um, I've got another clip here as well. I want to say it's misleading paper in the medicine. That if one gets COVID, the respiratory illness, they're more likely to get myocarditis than take a vaccine. Okay. I can tell you, I'm a doctor. I've taken care of hundreds and hundreds of COVID patients. I've advised on thousands. By the way, none of the media doctors outside of myself, Steve Smith, and gosh, maybe there's one other on there. I know George Fareed, maybe. I think there's three doctors that America has seen on TV that's actually seen a COVID patient and actually treated COVID patient. That's it. You know, the minority witness in the Senate testimony uh, Ron Johnson waited about two hours into the testimony after he was advising on America on how to how to handle COVID-19. He said, doctor, have you ever seen a COVID patient? You ever treated a patient? And he said, no, I haven't. He says, I have no more questions. I'm telling you, there is almost a fraudulent scheme to this. This New England General Medicine paper said, it said that myocarditis is more likely in those with COVID-19 than with the vaccine. What we know is that someone sick enough to be in the hospital who's in the ICU can have a small rise in troponin. That's the blood test indicating cardiac injury. But half the people in the ICU have that anyway from pneumococcal pneumonia, staph, sepsis, etc. It's just part of being in the ICU, okay? The Chinese never called that myocarditis. They called that cardiac injury with COVID. The Chinese were right. It's just a troponin elevation. That's it. It's largely inconsequential. There's not, we don't do anything about it. That's very different than the explosive chest pain, early heart failure, EKG, and massive troponin rises we see with vaccine-induced myocarditis. They are two completely separate syndromes. What the New England Journal of Medicine paper is, they just use the numbers. If you have lots of adults being admitted to the ICU, you're going to have big numbers of people who have a trivial rise in troponin that's inconsequential. That's different than... All right. So this probably the wall. Here we go. So Joe Rogan. So it's Peter McCulloch, Dr. Peter McCulloch, speaking on the Joe Rogan podcast. when Bichute eventually kicks in. It takes a bit of time sometimes. But let's try different in that case. That first positive was in a sense padded, padded by by this idea of asymptomatic. So one of the big discoveries in 2020, the virus is not spread asymptomatically. It's only spread from sick person up 
present. This is a very important two major papers, one by Cao from China, one by Madewell. Nail this down. Once we learned that asymptomatic testing wasn't happening, it became clear the Swedes were right. Scott Atlas was right. Just keep sick people at home. They were the only people who needed to quarantine. And well, people could go do what they were going to do. Somebody can't walk into a workplace with no symptoms and give the virus to somebody else. It doesn't happen. The problem is with that is that a lot of people are not honest about their symptoms. We had a guy at a bar that we work at that we do stand-up at. He showed up. He's like, I got a, you know, he's just saying, guy's got a headache. And uh, someone said, what do you mean you have a headache? And he goes, I've just got this headache. And he goes, uh, have you been COVID tested? And he goes, oh, my, that's positive. Then I'll have to take off work. And they went, what? And so they tested him. He was positive. But that guy was going to greet customers at a comedy club. Valid point. Valid point. The, the new thinking really has to be either we don't trust people and we asymptomatically test every, everybody. But, you know, the World Health Organization, as of June 25th, says no asymptomatic testing. The FDA has never cleared these tests for asymptomatic testing. The CDC doesn't give a green light to do this. Asymptomatic testing, and people like you and me just walked in, we have asymptomatic testing. That If we get a positive, the chances that that positive are, is false positive is 97%. 97%. And that is if you're asymptomatic. Completely asymptomatic. And to make matters worse, so many of us have already had COVID-19. And now our CDC admits, finally through a Freedom of Information Act, lead attorney Aaron Siri pressed the CDC and said, listen, you're saying you can get COVID twice. Show us a case. Show us a case. Press, press, press. Finally, the CDC director came out and said, you know what? You can't get it twice. We've never had a single But I have case. a friend that got it twice. What you have issue of a friend who thinks he had it twice. What happened is on one or more occasions, it's a false positive test or he actually had the dead. We're about halfway through this, but it's uh, a having a bit of a good day. You're out water truck. There's a little clip here that frightens some of. It's about adverse. Those vaccines originally were just offered as they should. They're research. The vaccines are research. They are all investigational research, and so they get that nobody can encourage somebody to take a vaccine. By the way, that that violates the Nuremberg Code. Can't do it. Research is neutral. As a doctor, I can never tell somebody they should take the COVID-19 vaccine. Why? Because same reason why I can't tell them, say, listen, you should be in my research study. You should take my research pill for diabetes. You know, if I told them that you should be in my research study, I'd be sanctioned by the IRB. I'd be called by the FDA. That's out of bounds. We never give any pressure, coercion, or threat of reprisal for participating in research. It violates the Nuremberg Code. And we certainly wouldn't do it with these vaccines because we don't have all the data yet. So but yet so many people are doing that. Well, they're, I tell you right now, they're walking a line on bioethics that they will be held accountable. You can't do that. You can't do that. No one can. No good doctor can. No good doctor. Now, getting back to vaccine safety. So the idea here is that we have to reconcile with vaccine safety. So the story is... By January 22nd, we already had 182 deaths after the vaccine, January 22nd. For all the vaccines combined, 
278 million shots given uh, each year in the United States. Kids, adults, me and you, I took two last year, I took one this year, 270 million shots. The average number of deaths that would ever come into our central database, about 150. We've been keeping this database for 20 years. Suddenly we are at 182. And then it was a very important recognition that many of us had. Say, wait a minute, the CDC and FDA, they didn't have any safety review. They didn't have an external uh, critical event committee. They didn't have a data safety monitoring committee and they didn't have a human ethics board assigned to the program. It turns out we had the wrong agencies leading the program. The FDA is supposed to be the drug watch uh, government organization. They don't lead clinical programs. The CDC is supposed to be the outbreak evaluation program. They don't lead clinical programs. So in fact, we actually had the wrong, we had the, in a sense, uh, 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 the fox guarding the chicken coop, in a sense, we had the wrong people leading the programs, and then we didn't have this independent safety committees. So there was nobody to stop the program in February. You know, it, it, normally what happens is you get five deaths after any product is unexplained. Black box warning, may cause death. You get to 50 deaths, I don't care if it's 50 million, 60 million people take their drug, you get to 50 deaths, it's off the market and it gets reviewed for safety. I've been involved with these, Joe, at a national level. We never let a drug go on and be associated with 50 deaths afterwards. We were at 182, and there was no safety review. Remember, I told you in February, I demanded, as a citizen, I demanded a report from the federal government. We needed a report and a press briefing on vaccine safety and efficacy. We never got it. Can I pause you for a second there? But isn't it rare that a group of people as large as the number of people that are getting vaccinated participates in some, if you want to call it an experiment or whatever it is, but this is essentially a mass inoculation. It's an extremely large number of human beings. So if you're getting 182 people we had, we had a, Well, dying, we had 182. At, shouldn't it be scalable? Well, hang on. It, well, we had 182 at 27 million shots. 182, 27 million shots. Right. Remember, the standard is 150 at 278 million shots. Right. So okay. 150 to 278, we had 182 to 27. So, so right. on normal conditions. But the idea was that people were dying from the pandemic and they were dying from COVID. So so here's the idea. And this is the best example. There was somebody in my circles around March, came by my house, a guy like you in shape, you know, came by biking. And his wife said, we took the vaccines. We took the vaccines, we're safe. I said, listen, I'm, I'm kind of concerned. By March, we're at 1,200 deaths, Joe, 1,200 deaths. I said, we're at 1,200 deaths. He goes, what are you talking about? We vaccinated 60 million people. 1,200 deaths, small price to pay. I continue the thought in my mind. Small price to pay for the Aryan race. That is the type of thinking that people comes into people's minds, driven out of fear, driven out of mass psychosis, that say, listen... All right, big shoots playing up again. So I'm going to stop there. When it comes back. Well, that's the end of it anyway. So that's, that's the full clips. So once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Uh, please subscribe, share the podcast if you can, and I'll see you again later.